We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. My name is Bethany Lee, and this is episode 15. Alyssa Cleland is on the podcast today. She is a paradressage rider who is a hopeful Olympic rider. She is incredible, has an amazing story, starting with struggle and frustration, turning into something absolutely amazing. So without further ado, because I'm so excited to share this episode, here's Alyssa. Hi there. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so happy that you are on the podcast today. I'm stoked to be here. (laughs) Good. Um, Awesome. So I would love for you to talk about your story. Um, I've introduced you a little bit already, but kind of tell us about how, um, how you started riding and how that whole process started. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, um, I was born with a rare condition that caused my right tibia not to grow. And so I've had a prosthetic, uh, my entire life. And so, you know, doing sports and stuff, I mean, you know, give and take some were easy, some weren't. Um, so I discovered that I absolutely loved horses. Um, when I was 10, I started taking lessons and, um, I rode this really old horse named TB and she was awesome. Uh, but the facility we were at saw me as too much of a liability. So we had to stop. So then I kind of intermittently rode horses here and then nothing really substantial until college. Um, then I would find literally random people on Facebook that would let me ride their horses. And that's kind of how I got back into it. So about, gosh, maybe like two years ago or maybe a year and a half, I'm not from sure. Um, I moved to Kansas to work at this show barn and it was a terrible, terrible job and horrible, horrible experience. But in conversation with someone um, I was giving lessons to at the time, told me about paradressage and the USPEA and told me I should get involved. And so I did. And I called the director, which is Hope Hand. And uh, I ended up in Texas for a horse clinic that they were doing with Kai Hunt. He's German. I don't know how to say his last name. But anyways, he's my trainer currently. And so doing a clinic with him and, you know, all the big people and like USCF and all that fun stuff. And so I really got to like dive into the paradressage world. And so then I ended up moving back to Oklahoma, which is where I was after uh, high school. That's where I was going to college and was driving back and forth to Texas from Oklahoma every weekend to train. And then finally in January of this year, um, I actually moved to Texas to train full time. And so that's what I've been doing. We completed our first show season and um, Daytona and I have been riding her for about eight months now. She's a 16 to um, 16 year old Westphalian and I think she's the bee's knees and we get along really well. But um, at this point, we've only been doing like training level and stuff. Um, Although we're, you know, schooling third and fourth level movements because for the grade I am, grade four in paradressage, it has a lot of those kind of movements in it, even though it's not a full level three or level four test. Um, 
So unfortunately, Daytona will not take me as far as I need to go. So I'm currently looking for a horse. But um, um, that's kind of my story and how I've, uh, you know, got involved with horses. And, you know, now I'm really sticking with it and trying to go for the LA 2024 Paralympics. That's amazing. That's so cool. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get back to that for sure, but let's back up a little bit for when you were young and you were first finding riding was, were you riding at a dressage barn or what type of riding was it? So I just did Western, um, literally up until I met Kai and went to that clinic. I was doing Western and then I dabbled in some English, but not really because I really liked the fact that I had a horn on the saddle and I could hold on. Yeah, totally. So yeah, um, dressage was very, very new and I just dived into it headfirst. Wow. That's awesome. And when, so when you were riding and you were still trying to find a place that would work for you, I mean, were there, you told me about the situation of someone, you know, telling you you were a liability and and kind of basically said you couldn't ride there anymore. Um, was that, was that a common occurrence? Like was, did that happen for a while? Um, yeah, that happened almost, you know, every place we went, which is why I kind of just intermittently rode here and there. And usually it was friends' horses or I had some cousin that had horses. So it was people, you know, I knew and not someone that we were actually like training with. Yeah. And I mean, did that, did those situations kind of happening over and over again, did that, I mean, it didn't even seem like it would be something, I mean, I feel like I would be so discouraged by that. Did you feel, did you feel discouraged or did you, did it just kind of empower you to try to find something that would work for you? Um, I don't think it did either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I think being, you know, so young and getting introduced to it. I didn't really think of it as like a possibility that I'd be like going into it full time. You know, I thought it was just a fun little pastime. You know, I loved horses and just wanted to be with them, but I didn't think of it as like, Oh, I actually want to like do this. And like, I'm passionate about this. So I think as I like after college, you know, trying to find a place in some places, you know, took me, but I wasn't, I don't know. It was all, it was all a big thing, but you know, after college and, you know, obviously being grown up and having my own opinions and being able to speak for myself in what I can and can't do with my prosthetic. I think that really like helped me and also, you know, empowered me to like, be like, all right, well, I can do this and I can't do that. And I can do it this way. And this facility will do this. And, you know, so I think at a young age, no, I, I didn't really notice it, but I think now if I had a facility that would be like, no, you're too much of a liability. I'd be like, well, hold up here. No, no, no. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you don't, I, I, I haven't heard about that really at all before. And it, it's, I mean, it kind of makes me upset. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like that. Well, I don't, I don't know how that's allowed, but I mean, isn't that the purpose for them having liability insurance? I mean, yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's each, each facility has their own thing and I'm not I'm not here to judge them you know I mean does it suck that I can't train some places yes but I mean am I gonna argue with them about it no I'm just gonna go pay someone else a lot of money to train me instead of them so there you go (laughs) and you can you can go ahead and send them footage when you're in the Olympics exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so fast forward you found out about the clinic and so you go there and 
the clinician, Kai, correct? Yes. So how did that happen that you had interactions with him for for you to just be a member of this clinic to all of a sudden training under this um, top trainer? Um, it all happened really fast. So I remember man, just kind of driving there. And so he it was actually like a trainer's clinic. So you're supposed to bring your trainer with you. And the whole point of the clinic is that they, they were going to teach your trainers how to train you if you're a paratrissage rider because, you know, every disability is different. And so you need someone that knows your disability so they know how to train you, right? So I come walking in with no trainer and all this stuff. So he he kind of took over and he was my trainer for the whole clinic. And then we were talking afterwards and I was like, I'm really into this. I'd really like to do this. And he was like, well, if you can get here, I'll train you. And so I was determined, man. I, you know, for the first few months going to Texas, I would literally sleep in my car in a Walmart parking lot because I didn't have enough money to stay anywhere. I only had enough money for gas to get there and to go home back to Oklahoma. But I was determined and I would wake up early in the morning and I would have three to four lessons a day. And then I'd go back to sleep in the parking lot and do it all again the next day until I had to leave to go back to Oklahoma. Wow. That is quite the schedule. Um, (laughs) what was your, what was your family thinking at this point? Um, probably that I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's their overall thought. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. So now at this point, were you, uh, where were you at in your schooling? And so at this point I had done two years, but I had to stop because it got too expensive with all, with all the stuff. So I, I stopped and I'm currently not enrolled anymore. Um, I'm hoping in the next year or two, um, I can go back to school. We're looking into moving to Arizona. So it's all about, you know, do I want to wait and, you know, be a resident of Arizona before I go back to school? So it's, it's all these things that have to like fall in place, but I do want to go back to school and I want to get my business degree and be a CEO of a big company so I can afford all the horses I want. <laughs> that's, yeah, that that is a good goal for sure. Yeah. Um, very cool. So I'd love to hear about, obviously you don't know, there, there wasn't an incident or anything that happened where, uh, I mean, this is, this is all, you know, as far as riding goes, I mean, working with with this disability that you, um, like, how do you, how does that even work? I mean, dressage is so much about balance and it just seems like it would be so difficult for you to ride. Um, it is, it is really hard. Um, so with like the whole balance thing, it's, I honestly just kind of like hold my breath the entire time I'm riding. I usually tend to like lean more to the left because that's where like my real leg is and it kind of almost like pulls down on me, but like, I definitely like lean more towards it because, you know, it's all I've got. And so I have to compensate for that and like ride with like my right shoulder up. So I look like I'm straight, even though I'm not. And I have to like lean back a little bit because, um, for some reason, I don't know. I just do what my trainer tells me. Um, but then, (laughs) but then also like trying to like grab onto the horse. I mean, I got my left leg and I got this little stump of a thing that cannot like grab anything. And so, and, and I don't have a lot of muscle in there. I just have, you know, it's just like this little thing of fat basically. And so, you know, it's trying to like hold on for dear life. And so it's, it's a very tricky game. And it honestly, um, with Daytona, 
she's an awesome horse. She has huge gates. And so she takes a long time to get like really supple and really on the bit. So really the first like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, we're trying to, you know, get her supple, get her round because, you know, once she's round and her gates are super smooth, I'm fine. I can sit her trot all day long. But, you know, getting to that point, it's bumpy. I'm kind of flying all over the place. And so it's these kinds of things that, you know, is why I need a new horse, unfortunately. But, I mean, it's a great learning experience because with her big gates and not really being supple, it has taught me a lot about, like, you know, trying to hold on and trying to keep my balance when she's just trotting along, trying to do her thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your equipment. Like, what is what makes your saddle different? So, um, with my saddle, we've tried like a few different things. So obviously I don't have a stirrup on the right side because Mm -hmm. I don't have a leg. So no need for one. We're trying this, like, how do I describe it? It's like, have you seen those dog muzzles that like go over a dog's mouth? Yeah. So we're trying that as like a way so I can like put my stump into it on the right side so that I can like put weight into it oh. and post while I trot because I can't I can't post right now, which is a big thing because it makes Daytona super sore when I'm just sitting there the whole time. Sure. And so then I also have a whip in my right hand to like act as my right leg. She doesn't like it very much, but <laughs> we may do. Um, and then I have, um, so I have these special reins and I believe my trainer got them from Germany actually. And so they basically have like loops in them. So I like can like snag my pinkies on the end of a loop and control and, you know, hold on to the rein that way. Because if I had regular reins, I'm missing a few of my fingers on my hands. And so my hands aren't very like strong and I don't have much like grip and stuff. And so having the loops helps when, you know, Daytona coughs or sneezes or pulls her head down or, you know, all this other stuff that a horse might do. So that's gotcha. awesome. Um, and then I also have a strap um, on the top, like the between like, where the withers go basically. Um, Mm -hmm. and I call that my oh shit handle (laughs) because, um, you know, not having a leg on my right side, I don't have anything to like, uh, if a horse veers one way to a certain direction, you know, I immediately fly off the horse. I Mm -hmm. literally look like a potato falling off. Like I have no, I cannot hold on for my life. So that thing has helped so many times. And then going across the saddle, on my right side, I have um, a Velcro strap. And so that can like be tightened or loosened. And that basically just kind of keeps my stump in place in the saddle. So it's not flying around all the place. But if I were to have a fall or something, I can slip out of it or it'll break. So that way I'm not stuck on the horse. Okay. What kind of equipment are you able to show in? Can you show in all of that? So, yes, it's a, you have to fill out like it's, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like a form that you fill out, you send it to USCF and you just have to get it approved. So sometimes they might have you like modify it if it's not deemed safe, but as long as you like show it and like get it approved. So like um, pair dressage riders can't ride in a double bridle period unless they get it approved. So if I were to just go, um, it would not be allowed at all unless I have, um, oh, dispensation. That's what it's called. It's called yeah. a dispensation. <laughs> so parasite riders have what's called a dispensation card. So everything that I have as my equipment, 
is on this card and it's given to the judge so the judge knows that hey she's allowed to have this this and this and say i'm writing in this little thing and it's not on my dispensation card i'd have to take it off got it okay so you were mentioning that if you don't have certain pieces of equipment that you will just fall off i mean is falling off a normal occurrence um, not so much now. However, in the very beginning, I was I was a wreck. I mean, you know, just coming into dressage after, you know, never doing it. I I thought I knew how to ride. However, I got a little can of whoop ass and uh, <laughs> found out I did not. <laughs> oh, and man. so um, it was, you know, if you saw me a year ago compared to now, I look like a completely, completely different writer. That's amazing. I mean, that's the the journey and the ability for you to look back and see how much you've yes. improved is totally worth yes. it. Yes, totally. That's Not awesome. all time, but in the end, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned when you kind of gave us an overview of your story that um, so you're training with Kai and your goal is to be at the 2024 Olympics in L.A. Yes, that's amazing. That's awesome. So what are what are this kind of the in between steps from now until then that you will need to take to get there? So a few in between steps. Um, so I, I need to learn how to do, you know, these higher level movements and figure out what it feels like for me to do them on a horse. So we have to find a horse that knows these movements and can teach me those and once I've learned the movements and all that good stuff, we need to start looking for an actual competition horse, which, you know, is just a hundred thousand dollars, which I don't have right now. So sure. that'll be, you know, years, years down once I get more established um, as well. We need to start showing more in a bigger show. So like CPEDIs and, you know, all the stuff at WEF and all the stuff at WEG, you know, um, I want to compete in those. So that way, you know, come Paralympic time, you know, I'm ready and I've been at big international competitions before. Very cool. That's awesome. That's so exciting. I know. I'm excited. I'm like <laughs> ready for it to happen now. I'm a very, very impatient person, which is really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you say are your biggest supporters? probably gosh well definitely like my family so I'm the youngest of six and so they've all been like kind of along this crazy journey and you know just they they've supported me the whole way and like call me and say like hey you did so good at your show da, da, da. and I've had some of them come to my show and watch me um so that's awesome and then uh, my boyfriend at the moment he is he sees it all oh my god oh, I'll come home from the <laughs> barn crying if I have a bad lesson or really happy if I had a good lesson. So he sees like everything that I go through. And then everyone on Instagram, honestly, I mean, they are just so they, I don't know, they're so full of light and just give me so much like happiness. And I remember like yesterday or something, I posted about the new equipment we're trying and how it wasn't working. And, you know, I had so many people DM me with ideas, you know, they, they want to help and they want to see me succeed. And I, I couldn't ask for better followers, honestly. That's so cool. Yeah, I love following you on your journey. And if any of you listening are not following Alyssa, you need to. It, her um, Instagram is ALC Equine. 
But yeah, I love, I, I think it's so cool just how vulnerable you are and just sharing your story. Cause I think so many people have grown to love you and want to follow your journey and all the way to 2024. Um, yes, yeah, that is, that is incredible. I love your photos and stuff. I think it's so cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so something I always like to talk about on my episodes is to really try to uncover and reveal some areas of the industry that aren't often talked about. So, I mean, for you, what's something that you're super passionate about that you would like to see um, kind of be revealed a little bit more in the industry? Honestly, I think the whole world of paradressage should be more revealed. I think you know, we, we see people like Laura Graves and, you know, Robert Dover doing these awesome, amazing things. And, you know, there's people over here with terrible palsy and autism and missing, you know, three limbs or something. And they're doing the same thing. And I mean, it's great to give recognition to, you know, these incredible writers that, you know, have obviously earned their place and where they are. But to also, you know, shed light on these other writers that, you know, are giving their all to the sport, you know, when they have so many more. I want, I mean, I want to say obstacles because obviously, you know, Laura Graves has all her limbs and, you know, this other person doesn't. So, you know, they do have more obstacles to go through to get to the point of, you know, a lot of success in the horse industry. And I think it's a lot harder for someone with disabilities to work up to that level. And I think that we need to make paradressage more, you know, just more regular, more recognized in the, in the horse world. Cause it's really to see these people go out and, you know, do this sport with what they have and what they're going through. It's just, it makes me inspired to like want to go out and do it even more. Sure. Yeah, of course. I love that. And I think that I think exactly you hit the nail on the head. That's so important. And it's something that I mean, for me, I I didn't know much about before. And, and I don't see um, besides following you and talking to you and talking to some others. Yeah, I feel like it. You don't see much of it. So what's something that we can do as um, different people in the industry and the people that are listening? What are what are what do you think some practical things we could do to try to work towards changing that? I mean, honestly, just get it more like out in the media, you know, social media these days is just, it's the way to do anything these days. And so just using hashtags like paradressage or paraequestrian and just making those kind of go viral a little bit, you know, um, following paraequestrians. I have a bunch that I'm following right now and it's just, you know, just trying to support each other. Um, and, you know, going to shows, obviously, um, like at WEF, like I know a lot of people go to WEF, I'll be at WEF and, you know, you see all the able-bodied people doing their stuff. And then kind of in the corner, you see the paradisage people doing their stuff, you know, and showing support at big national events to our paradisage writers would help so much. Yeah, I agree. That is awesome. And I think that that is definitely something practical that um, we can all be doing and we can all be mindful of. So thank you for that. 
You're welcome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Alyssa, I've had so much fun learning about your story and you're just inspiring. Like you're, you're so, it's so cool to be talking to you. you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And I, yeah, I've just learned so much and I am so thankful that you're in the equestrian industry and just to hear your story is I'm sure inspiring to others too. I appreciate that a lot. And I love, I love sharing my story. I'm very, very open and, you know, try to be as available as possible um, on my social media and stuff. And I just, I love talking to everyone and like getting it out there and just, you know, trying to show everyone what I do and, you know, I do it because I love it. And, you know, I just, I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think that exactly what you're doing is totally the steps that need to be you know, taken for the, the fact of you wanting to get um, paradressage out in the open. So I think you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. Thank you. <laughs> um, and again, <laughs> um, again, seriously, go follow Alyssa at ALC Equine um, to learn more about her and her cute pony and what she's been working on and what she's working toward. Um, but until then, um, Alyssa, thank you again. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being on here and can't wait to see you at 2024 in LA. Awesome. All right, girl. We'll have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. What did you think of today's episode? Head over to anywhere where you listen to the Equestrian Podcast and please rate and review and tell me what you thought. I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm curious and it helps people like you find the equestrian podcast. It also allows us to find some amazing guests for you to listen to. So win-win for everyone. Well, that is about all the time we have for today, but make sure you're following us over on Instagram at equestrian podcast so that you stay up to date on any news for the podcast. So until next time, I'm Bethany Lee. This is the Equestrian Podcast. Now get out there and enjoy the ride.